Welcome to the Realities of College Recruiting Podcast, where our team of former college coaches, players, and MLB scouts tackle the most critical college recruiting topics. With guests including college coaches, MLB pro scouts, and industry insiders, we will empower you with the tips and strategies needed to gain an advantage in your college recruiting process. The Sports Force Podcast is powered by our partner, Five Tool Baseball. Okay, let's start the show. There's no time like now, right, Coach? Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, the um, we'll be sharing a lot of stories tonight. This is going to be a um, just an awesome deep dive into baseball and, and where it is and how each of, each coach on the panel has seen the game change. Um, let me first introduce and let me set the table for tonight. Uh, my name is Andrew Beinbrink. Um, founder and a CEO of Sports Force Baseball. Uh, we've been doing this 14 years. You know, we started with what I would consider a very simple approach as former college athletes and professional players to say, how can we get the video, the metrics, and, and empower athletes to kind of take their game to the highest level? And we've evolved into, as we grew, parents started asking us a ton of questions you know, what does college baseball look like? What level am I good enough for? Um, what camp should we go to? What travel ball club team should we play for? And we started ask, answering a bunch of those questions. And we shifted into advising and educating families all over the country, actually all over the world. Um, and it's a passion of ours. And tonight's panel is, is awesome because each of these coaches has a very different uh, point of view and a different location uh, in terms of their own experience and the type of players, um, you know, that they coach and develop. Uh, but I think through their stories and, and what we, we cover tonight, you're going to learn really just, you know, more about what it's like, um, you know, running a, an organization that's got a national uh, presence, but also uh, just where the game of baseball continues to evolve relative to player development, college recruiting, um, athlete and parent expectations, social media. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. And let me first start with some introductions here. And each of these coaches I've known, uh, for quite a while. Um, and so I'm going to start with, uh, coach Bruno. So Rob Bruno, I first met him at a NorCal world series, got about, uh, eight years ago, I don't even know if he remembers um, meeting me the first time, but we've developed a, a really good friendship and relationship over the last really half a dozen years. Um, and what I would say is for 30 years, Coach Bruno has been embedded in the baseball community uh, with NorCal Baseball, uh, which is, I don't know, arguably one of the longest running organizations, but probably the kind of one of the grandfather organizations, um, you know, in travel baseball. And Rob, if you don't mind, before I introduce, you know, Coach Vieira and Coach Horman, um, quickly, like, take us back in time, uh, if you don't mind. And what was the driver for, for, for you and NorCal to get started? Um, and, you know, why does this still light you up, you know, the game of baseball? Well, I probably have about three or four more years. Maybe if I get a little more energetic, maybe five or six. But I've 
I've got a great group. Tony's been doing this with me since 1995, and we're, we're really a team. He's a he's a left brain guy. I'm the right brain guy. In '92, we wanted to get a platform for really good players to play against really good players. That was simply what it was for. There were no rankings. Uh, there were no plastic trophies on weekends. We just hunted out great teams to kind of measure up how we would do. Um, everything kind of came uh, a, a lot easier, and everything was uh, much more simple. Uh, now there's a different emphasis, and it's my goal to kind of bring it back into the middle. I think there's a happy medium on what's going on now, uh, blasphemizing the game, especially at the youth level, and, and how we started. Absolutely. I know this is a passionate topic of yours, and, and we're going to go into it. We're going to talk about uh, the labels that are out there, travel baseball, club baseball, academy baseball, and, and what your take is on that, because I think it's really important yep. and, and profound at the same time. Um, next uh, on the panels, uh, Coach Mike Vieira. Um, and I don't even know if Coach also remembers when I first uh, met him. It was part of a SoCal Select event. Um, Coach Valenzuela was coaching at USD. This was probably like, I don't know, 10, 12, 13 years ago um, at, you know, uh, at Maverick Park in um, San Gabriel. And, you know, Coach Vieira has uh, has built San Gabriel Valley Arsenal um, out of the Southern California area with predominantly Southern California only players uh, for for 21 years now. Um, 22 major league players um, from Garrett Cole, Lucas Giolito, Aaron Hicks, and, and a ton more. Um, and Rob, I'll get back to you on your the 64 big leaguers that have come through NorCal in a little bit. But um, yeah, Coach Vieira, if, if you can, you know, make a um, kind of rewind the clock as well and, and share, you know, what was the impetus for starting San Gabriel Valley Arsenal and, uh, and, and your program? There was a group of 14 old players that um, I had started coaching and I, I you know been coaching 35 years now and I had this one particular group and they wanted me to coach them and it just there was a really um, good group of players and actually we played Rob hmm. um, 20 years ago um, and it just evolved from there the, the the closeness of that particular group of players and then a few other players coming on and it just created this culture of of wanting to support each other and be successful. And like Rob, we wanted to play the best teams possible against the best players possible. You know, like Rob said, there was no rankings. There was none of that. It was just um, go go play the best teams you can find. Rob would bring it, you know his teams down to Southern California, and we would just go at it. And it was it was really enjoyable. You know, there was leagues. Everything um, just to play at a comp- as high a competitive level as possible. And I, that's what, you know, kept me going on, on this whole journey, you know, 20, and then here I'm 21 years later and still feel excited about going to the field every single day. Not, nothing is Ab- Absolutely. And, um, I think both of you have served as ambassadors for the game in, in the state of California. That's, that's for sure. Um, the third uh, coach I got on is uh, Scott Horman um, out of the state of Colorado. 
which is, um, you know, a what I would consider a sleeper state in terms of talent that's that's come out of especially the greater Denver area. Um, you know, we had Coach Mark Johnson on last week for the high school coaches uh, insider. And, um, you know, Coach Horman, I'm curious, you know, you've seen the game of baseball from a, a couple different angles because um, you've also run a facility um, and, and been part of that as well. Uh, you're also currently a, a high school head coach at Lutheran, um, you know, in Parker, Colorado. And, you know, I'm curious, you know, from your perspective, like what's made, why have you dedicated your life, you know, to the game? Well, I, you know, I, I started it back in, I moved to, to Colorado in 1992 and was kind of out of baseball. I actually played college football, but baseball was my first love. And I, uh, you know, I, 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 somebody came to me and asked me to coach a team, just mm -hmm. like a group of 14 year olds, actually. And just so happened on that 14 year old team was a kid named Luke French, um, another kid named Daniel Schlereth and another kid named Mark Melanson. Um, yeah. and obviously it was a pretty good team and, uh, you know, I got the bug to coach and have kind of never looked back, but I, uh, I really started, you know, at the high school level and, and really enjoyed coaching high school ball. But one of the things that I saw was missing, especially in youth baseball was I was getting great athletes to come to my team, you know, come to my school, but they really didn't know the game of baseball. So, you know, the youth programs in Colorado were not what I would call good at the time. Um, and so I started a, my own youth organization and it kind of built into a high school organization called Colorado chaos. Um, and then USA prime came calling about three and a half years ago. And that's the greatest thing I've ever done is, is join USA prime. Um, Cause here in Colorado, you know, we have slammers and then we have us. Um, but you know what I've seen and what I, the reason I do this is, and I tell my parents this every every single year because, you know, a lot of our parents are like, you know, we want to play, you know, we, we want the best team possible and all that. And it's, that's great. I, I love to have those, those top teams. But what I really started for was to help kids. You know, I, I grew up in Cincinnati and played for Cincinnati Midland, and I had somebody there helping me through the whole program. And um, once I got that bug of helping kids and helping kids go to college and and seeing kids be successful and, and that, um, you know, honestly, I couldn't do anything else. So, uh, I've grown it and this is all I do now for USA prime. And I do own an indoor hitting facility and I do coach high school ball. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a year round love affair for me now. Absolutely. Um, no doubt. Well, you know, each of you have your own different stories and I'd, I'd like to kind of weigh in on, um, something. And if you're just joining, um, we got an awesome panel of of coaches that are part of this tonight from NorCal Baseball, San Gabriel Valley Arsenal, and uh, USA Prime out of out of Colorado. Um, and so, the impact of the game. Um, each of you have had enough experience with coaching. Um, Rob, if you don't mind, you know, if you were to say, how do you think the game? can impact a, a young, a young man and, and a family um, beyond just what happens on the field and taking their game, you know, to the highest level. What is it that you think that, you know, the game has a chance to instill 
you know, in a young man and, and, and how does that set them up for what's, what's after, you know, high school and, you know, competitive summer and fall baseball? Well, let's hope they use baseball to further their, their education, uh, getting a, a, a great degree and having a 40 year success. We always talk about this is not a four year decision, but a 40 year decision. Uh, when these guys settle in and they're trying to make their decisions, what the first thing we talk about is would you go to this school if they didn't play baseball? And, and if the answer is no, you cross them off the list. It doesn't matter if it's uh, the, the number one school in the country, it still needs to be about how this is going to make you a better person because you'll be a better person longer than you're going to ever be a better baseball player. Uh, the life lessons on learning how to win, learning how to lose, uh, in our program, the greatest compliment is you're a great teammate. How far does that go? Uh, that, that, that happens in every part of your life. And if you're a great teammate, you learn how to win, you learn how to lose, you learn how to compete. You're going to be successful in life. And, and I think we forget about these life lessons. There's so much superfluous garbage out there. Uh, and, and you talked about the word travel ball. It, you know, I, my, my definition of travel ball is little league on wheels. It's a negative connotation. Mm -hmm. And we forgot about the, the development part. Scott talked a lot about it as far as that's concerned also. And, you know, he's got an indoor facility. He can work with guys one-on-one. -on -one, and those are the things that are important. Uh, not, no more fun than uh, playing against Mike and his group. Uh, we're kind of sister programs, and we've loved that, and I think we miss that now. Uh, we go play against a bunch of teams we really don't know, and honestly, they don't know each other. Um, and if you're in our program, you're in Mike's program and other programs, you should know your teammates for three or four years. Uh, they're your brothers, and that's missing out. You've got groups out there that they need to introduce each other to themselves. Uh, that's a problem. Uh, so I think we need to get back into a, uh, a place where we I, I think we, we just need to prioritize what's right and, and how it's going to help these young men uh, in the near future. It's very well said. I know Rob's spoken, you know, to a lot of groups of players and parents. Um, so this is uh, I love hearing your stories. Coach Vieira, you know, you've had players. um that come from very different socioeconomic backgrounds um, and, oh, oh, very, and, and, and very different upbringings, um, you know, and I'm just curious if, if you mind sharing a little bit about, you know, how the game of baseball maybe is, have, as you've seen it, maybe even transformed, you know, a family, you know, from the first kid to go to college in a family and, and what you've seen that, look like because you've had players that are now graduated now professionals and some of them are probably in their 30s and you know now early 40s uh and i'm curious like the rip you know you know what i mean that ripple effect of how that changes a family's trajectory oh it definitely is rob was talking that's exactly what i was thinking about because we have families where the player going to school and college and getting his degree just changed the dynamic of the entire family his siblings because, you know, his younger siblings now, college is a normal thing. Um, and, and partly to financially help their family. You know, we've had kids. There's one in particular who um, their parents had no money. It, they were literally scraping to get by every month. Yep. And the kid is, has his master's. He's a uh, or is an assistant in a Division One school. 
um, and other siblings, you know, had looked in, and are going to college and it, and it can change a life without any doubt. Um, and it, and it's a generous generational change. And, and it's funny to hear Rob talk. Cause it's, it's like, he's my twin because, you know, we say the same things and, and for us, for, for our program, it's the baseball is the tool to help these kids become better young men. And all my parents have heard me say that, but that's the truth because the, the low income kid needs that little bit of push and within the support even of, and we've had parents that are pretty well off help support those kids mm. in endeavors and their travels. And it becomes one big family. And, and Rob nailed it where it says, where are they going to be successful later in life? And when I see, in, you know, on social media, kids that play together when they were 14, 15, 16 years old with us, and they're in their early 30s, and they're still hanging out, they're working together. Um, there's one where a player hired a bunch of former players that all had their degrees. That is, I think, locked right now on what baseball can do for somebody instead of, oh, let's accumulate all the top players we possibly can and say we're the best. How about we assemble the top people that happen to be really good baseball players and and support them with baseball. Without question, we've had kids go to college all over the country yeah. and and they're doing well. And some of them, a lot of them don't come back home, but they're doing well in life. And they were in a very tough economic um, place. Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, and baseball, although it's not like football and basketball where there's a ton of full scholarships, um, the amount of aid that's out there. And if you're a parent listening or you're a player listening right now, the, the type of financial or academic package that you can get, is typically going to by far outweigh and out, you know, out, you know, number the type of athletic money that you can get. So, and just, you know, I was at the Arizona fall classic the last two weekends um, and talked to a ton of coaches and more and more coaches are telling me that, you know, the packages that they can put together are, you know, cutting the price of college in half, sometimes even more, uh, based on just the academic profile. And we're not talking like 4.0 and 32 ACT. You know, we're talking 3.5 and 25 or 3.5 and, you know, sometimes no, no test scores needed with a lot of schools that have gone test optional. So I think if you're a player and or parent listening in, um, there's a huge difference between graduating from college, you know, with an $800 student loan monthly commitment versus a $200 student loan monthly commitment. It's, it, it's, a, it's a huge difference. So, um, Scott, I'd like to flip gears a little bit. Um, you know, talk to, talk to you guys, uh, talk to you about um, Colorado isn't as heavily recruited uh, in terms of how many schools are in the state of Colorado. However, uh, using social media, using online resources, you're very active on social media. Um, I guess why don't you maybe share that point of view in terms of as an organization, how you're trying to support your players, um, you know, in this journey of, um, you know, of their relative to their college goals and, and using online stuff, especially how COVID has kind of made things much more digital as well. 
Oh, oh, absolutely. You know, Colorado, we have two Division One schools, and one is Air Force. Um, so, you know, it takes a special young man to play there, obviously. And the other one is Northern Colorado, where uh, they, up until this year, they only had three and a half scholarships. I think they're at seven and a half now. Um, you know, so for our players to get seen by Division Ones, we have a great Division Two conference in, conference in Colorado called the RMAC. Um, but, you know, a lot of our kids – you know, if you talk to all of our Colorado kids and say, okay, where, you know, give me your top five schools. There's not one in Colorado. They're all in, in California, Florida, and Texas, right? Yeah. They want to go where it's warm. Well, those schools don't really recruit our state, do they? They don't need to. Um, you know, so it's tough. Uh, I will tell you that social media has changed the game a ton, especially because of COVID. Um, I mean, I have a young man who got recruited by uh, St. Thomas, um, in Minnesota that, that, you know, they're going from D3 to D1 and, you know, they're in that summit league and they never saw him live one time. They watched him video, 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 and they saw video of him in a game and, and that's how he got recruited. Um, you know, then now that a lot of schools won't do that sight unseen and you guys all know that, but it has changed at least getting their attention. You know, the guy hits 90 miles an hour, 91, 92, and all of a sudden there's attention. But I can tell you one of the things that I do that's probably very different than most is um, I have on I literally get on my phone and make phone calls from nine to 11 Monday through Friday. Hmm. Like I am on the phone nonstop, never ending. <laughs> it's it's just because, you know, that's my job, you know, and that's what I'm supposed to do for the young men. And here's the thing I can tell you. NAIA, Division Two, Division Three, Junior College, it doesn't matter. Our kids in Colorado are hungry to play. And the thing that I love about our Colorado kids is that they do use social media very well. And, you know, one of the things that people don't realize is our kids, when we when we get to college, and this is one of my selling points I, I sell them on, is that you'll see our kids improve so much more when they get into a year-round setting mm -hmm. because they just don't have it here. So we do our best, obviously, but, you know, the social media has really changed the game, um, but it doesn't change, you know, all you guys are well-respected coaches that are talking and, but I can't call anybody and say, Hey, I got a kid that's 90 miles an hour. Um, you know, he's hit 90 this week, uh, offer him a scholarship, right. <laughs> you know, yep, yep. I think there's a couple guys out there that might be able to do that in this world, but I'm not one of them. So, um, you know, I, I work really hard and, and try my best to, to, and I'm very honest with our players of, of their evaluations. I don't sugarcoat it. I sat with a kid today and said, Hey man, you're a Juco NAIA division three type player. Um, you know, are you okay with that? And if you are, let's start making these calls to these schools. You know, I'm, I'm sure he didn't like that conversation as much as, you know, but it, I ha you know, you got to be honest with players and with parents. So, absolutely. No, thanks for giving us that uh, that type of insight into what mm -hmm. what what you've been doing. And um, yeah, I mean, the reality is there's 1,500 plus college programs around the country. I mean, it is just overwhelming to think about you know how many schools uh, are out there, and for parents and players, you know, that are listening, it's not very easy for you to navigate how to determine what schools should be on your target list. Cause put this in perspective, 
a college coach and I was just talking with a division one coach recruiting coordinator. And we were, he was estimating that between their whole staff, they would see between three to 5,000 unique 2024s or more every summer and every fall. So we were just talking about this upcoming or this current uh, junior class. And then they got to narrow that down. The school was only making about eight to 10, you know, offers uh, of players that they would sign, you know, for their 2024 class. And that process of whittling down from that many players to that few players is very challenging. Um, So the ability for college coaches to talk to um, coaches like Scott and, um, you know, Mike Vieira and, and, and coach Bruno, it gives them another, you know, point of reference and more than ever, what, what we've seen um, being on the recruiting side of things is that coaches are looking to cross check and cross reference players with multiple sources um, more than ever before. Um, And so coach Bruno, you get a ton of, you know, texts and, and phone calls from, from a lot of division one, you know, schools, I'd love to hear just your, your experience, um, you know, of, you know, what, what do you tell a coach when they say, Hey, tell me about, you know, your, your left-handed pitcher or your catcher or whatever. I'm, I'm just curious and you don't need to use any specific names, but how do you continue to shoot coaches straight and make sure that you have, you maintain the credibility, you know, with college coaches? Because I've been doing it for 30 years and they know I'm going to tell them the truth. Uh, the first time I tell them something that's not true, I'm going to lose credibility. That, that, that's the biggest thing. And here's what I would tell you. This year has been the most frustrating year uh, we've ever experienced. It's not just me. I've got about four or five guys in our program that put in 20 hours. A, 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 I put in 20 a week just calling people and, and helping our guys. Uh, but this year, because of all the crazy things that start in the four-year level, uh, I've never seen a log jam uh, like I have now. And, and I'm frustrated. Uh, I see these, these 423s. I've got guys, absolute Division One guys, that don't have commitments yet. And it's because uh, the, the COVID stuff, the portal stuff, uh, too many uh, players really at that uh, four-year level at schools. And I think what's going to happen is, and Andrew, you talked to these guys also, I think what's going to happen is there's going to be a lot of attrition and a lot of uh, thatching of the weeds, so to speak, of a lot of these rosters. A lot of these guys have not literally seen their guys more than once or twice. They have no idea what they're getting, and they need to find out, am I going to keep this guy or am I going to uh, get, get rid of him at, at semester or at the end of the year? I think we're in for a lot of crazy things coming up. I really do, and that's what I'm seeing. But I'm getting so frustrated because I know these kids – can play at a high level, whether it's division one, two, three, uh, et cetera. And everybody is in neutral right now. They're waiting. It's a wait and see game. Are, are you seeing the, sa- the same thing? We are with, um, you know, with certain schools at certain levels, um, you know, the portal has changed the game in terms of availability of an older player, more physically developed, mature player, Um, you know, getting a 21, 22 year old versus an 18 year old out of high school. It's more of a known commodity in terms of that player's track record skill level facing either better pitching or better pitchers, um, hitters, depending on their position. And so 
some of the schools are willing, you know, to just wait longer and longer. And they're also trying to figure out what their fall roster looks like in terms of talent, because to your point, some of the schools that have committed, um, you know, let's say they have 40 to 60 players on their current fall roster and they got to trim that back to 35 by, you know, January. Like that means there's a ton of players that are not going to be, you know, staying at that school, at least as a baseball player, they might stay there and hang up their cleats, uh, which is a whole nother topic. Uh, But a ton of players are in the portal. Um, I continue to talk to coaches around the thousands of players that are in the portal and it's like a free agent game uh, for, for some coaches. Now, there's other schools that can't even really touch the portal that are also Division One schools. Um, typically, the higher academic school um, has more challenges trying to get kids in and transferred in from a portal uh, than, we'll say, mid-tier or low-tier, you know, uh, academic schools. Um, but Division Two, um, Division Three, the portal's less as less is less popular. Um, and then NIA, you know, is getting bounce backs, you know, as they, as, as they always do. And then obviously junior colleges are stacking up with kids that don't last at a four year school as well. So I think, you know, to your point, um, recruiting continues to evolve and, and yes, you're, you're, you're correct that the portal I think is, has massively, um, disrupted and changed some of the recruiting timelines uh, for, for a lot of schools. So Mike, you want to weigh in on this? Cause you know, you might have another, if you want to add any, any more color to it. Oh, it, it's definitely, definitely changed how things are doing. We, you know, like I was actually, he was talking with my, my coaches on our staff and, you know, we had a kid who's, who's a, who was a college graduate. He's 92, 93. And cause one of our players was, you know, he's a senior great pitcher should should pitch in division one but as a college coach we're explaining to him do you take the 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 kid who's pitched you know has a year of eligibility left played in the pac 12 or do i take an incoming freshman and take a chance that he's gonna be successful it's it's a pretty easy choice that you take the guy who's has you know three years of college experience in the pac 12 over the incoming kid it, there's just so much movement. Um, you know, some of the college guys I've talked to, they're like, they're trying to figure it all out still. It, it just seems to ever be evolving and you've got to be ready to move. And, and to a, to a selling point to players and parents, not to lose sight of the goal of what was your ultimate goal of your son, which is baseball being his avenue to go to school. Now, we, it's never talked about what level of school, but it was to get his degree, whether it be NAIA, Division Two, Division Three. So I think if we can kind of group them or get them to, like, realize there's so many other options besides Division One, and it's getting more difficult because of the portal. And now, as you said, you, you got a school cutting down, you know, 20 to 25 players they got to go somewhere and they're going to trickle down to the lower level. So even it's going to be even more difficult for a high school kid to compete against that. No doubt. Absolutely. Scott, I'd love you love for you to weigh in and get, give a take from you've coached that 17 U national team, which, you know, is like laden with, 
you know, power five type players. Um, and I'm curious what's been, what's been your take, you know, from that point of view, navigating kids, maybe from schools, it's like, okay, you got this big name on your, you know, um, you know, recruiting your player. How do you broach the subject of, well, that school has committed 18 kids already in your <laughs> class. Yeah. It's so funny. You said that. Cause I had a young man, um, you know, was talking to a couple SEC schools and, you know, we, we, he's actually ended up at a big 12 school, but he, uh, you know, he looked and he was like, Oh my gosh, this, you know, they've got so many And this. I mean, this is a top team in the country. They have so many kids in our class. And I, I go, I go, yeah, I go there, you know, that's just, that's just the way it is right now. And, you know, the other thing that I, you know, and, and not to, not to say that, but the, you know, the division twos in our state, like we have one division two school here that, like would get five or six Colorado kids a year, zero this year hmm. because all of the recruits are transfer portal kids from D ones. Wow. So yep. not one, you know, so, but that national team, it was a unique experience because, you know, being the American team of our national program, you know, most of my guys are, you know, I've got some power five kids, but most of them are, you know, um, New Mexico state, New Mexico, you know, Hawaii, you know, those, those type teams, but they're great players that probably, to be honest, would be power five kids if this transfer portal did not exist. So that's kind of, you're going to see some, some, some baseball programs have much better baseball players in their, in their programs now, just because, you know, those kids that would normally go to the PAC 12 or the SEC, you know, or the ACC are now going to the WAC big West yep. You know, that's where they're ending up now. So I think, you know, it's helped. The, the transport has actually helped some of those colleges. But this 20, I, I just like uh, Coach said, these, this poor 2023 class has been like, it is so frustrating to try to talk about a player from the 2023 class. You know? Yep. yep. So, but yeah, it, it, it's definitely the portal has changed everything. And, uh, you know, it's free agency baseball at this point. Yeah, and for parents or players or coaches that aren't familiar with the portal, basically a few years back, the, the NCAA made, made it so that an athlete who's playing NCAA sports can say, for one time I get a transfer option with no um, restrictions or no um, issues to be able to go from one school to another school. All I necessarily need to do is tell my athletic administration – that I'm interested in, you know, being added to the portal. The coaches don't even need to be told first. The player can do it, you know, anonymous, not anonymously, but sorry, uh, privately. The coach is going to find out, you know, shortly thereafter. But um, anyway, it's, uh, it's, it's just changed the game. So now a college baseball coach goes through that, has a um, website that they go, they log on to, and then every day there's more kids added to this uh, this portal of thousands of players and they're trying to stay on track of it. And some coaches, you know, during the peak times are checking the portal three, four or five times a day. They might have a dedicated graduate assistant or a baseball ops guy, you know, running through the portal to, to filter, you know, different players. So just to give you an idea um, of, of what that uh, what that's about. Um, and I think. You know, as we we speak to this, um, you know, we've talked earlier about what it means to 
find the right college fit and take your game to the highest level uh, and how big of a decision, you know, choosing the right school, you know, can have uh, in terms of life after baseball. Um, but I think one thing is important to understand is, and, and I want to get the, the take from, from each of the coaches here. We broke, we've broken down college into 10 different levels of talent um, because of the metrics that the schools are looking for, the different um, athletic size, strength, power, uh, the tools, as well as the academic profile uh, that, that different coaches are looking for. Um, I'm curious, you know, guys, how do you try to communicate to your own players uh, like Coach Horman said earlier, I see you as a D, D2, D3 JUCO type player. Um, how do you, you know, how do you, how do you address that subject? Because there's a lot of coaches here on listening in, and that will listen in after we um, record this and share this with, you know, thousands of followers. Um, but how do you, how do you handle that subject when you're talking with a player and parent? Uh, because it's not always easy to hear, you know that the school that you've been dreaming of um, or eyeing for a long time and had their sweatshirt as a kid um, is not going to be in the equation from an athletic standpoint. So coach Bruno, I'll, I'll start with you again. All right. And I've got a couple other thoughts that I think I'd share too. Um, when a college football team is putting the schedule non-conference, they get a, B and C type teams, A being, this is the, the analogy I'll use, A being that uh, top 20 uh, power five type thing, B might be a, a, a mid-level group, and, and C is a patsy where you could just absolutely blow them out. And that's what they try and do. Uh, with Conversely, what the analogy for baseball would be, okay, what's your pie in the sky? Uh, LSU, Tennessee, Texas, Stanford, UCLA, uh, what what's the middle? And then we, we go you know, mid-level schools and then, okay, you're a 4.2. What would make sense with all these other schools? Um, and the reality now is that you've, you've got to find schools and you've got to find coaches that do fit what you want to do and what they want to get out of you. And I'll, I'll give you an example. If, if you go to a place where they're going to, foster development they're going to foster academics and everything else and they're going to give you everything you need and they're going to be loyal to you especially in these portal days well they're looking for guys that that also want to be part of that that want to cultivate a culture that want to be part of something special uh more and more and more we're trying to drive our guys towards those kind of schools that have something special that's going to set them up for life and instead of just going to a school that's maybe going to take in 18 to 22 guys in a class. I won't name names unless you want me to, then I'm happy to. Um, that th Those things are happening, and, and you see guys get uh, get thrown out uh, right, about, right around Thanksgiving time. I, I think that's pretty disgusting. Um, and then there are guys that we have uh, that they want to play at the highest level, and that's great. You know, we had uh, two guys uh, signed to LSU, an Ole Miss guy, a Texas guy, a Baylor guy, et cetera. Uh, and we're West Coast. So the money, NIL, all that stuff is going to the Southeast, to the Midwest, from really from Texas and Arkansas and Oklahoma to the East and then to the South. So that's just another subject. You know, that's, uh, that's changing things. It's the haves and have-nots. And because of their haves and have-nots, 
I think it's going to evolve into what's your best fit as a person going forward. And we've got to tell guys, you know, this is your best fit. These guys, I know you want to go there, but guess what? They're going to bring in three catchers. Well, they only really give money to one, and they only care about that. So you, you better find somebody that cares about you. And I think that's going to be more important going forward. Huge. Yep. A place where you're going to stick and have a high probability of, uh, yeah. of, of making an impact. Um, and, Andrew, in that regard, also, uh, more and more, we're going to be using you and your guys because you guys have the – and we talked about package. It is so important now to have that academic package, uh, to, to have the, uh, w- whatever uh, kind of financial aid that you can get and put together those packages. Uh, we are in for rough times. Whether anybody wants to talk about it or not, our economy, our country, we're in for rough times. And we've got to do what's right and what's best for our kids to have the absolute best opportunities to have a great life going forward. And that's finding a fit and being able to afford it and not having thousands and thousands and thousands of uh, dollars of uh, loans when they get hit. Thousand percent uh, on that on that front, for sure. Um, Coach Vieira. uh if you want to add any any color, you know, on top of that, uh, feel oh, free. You know, I've I've always done it where I'm very honest with each parent, each player, because I don't want them to waste their time or their money pursuing something that might not be there. You know, and each and have to get them to understand each kid is a little different journey. Social and you know, social media has been good, but it also can be bad because they get a false sense of what some other kid is doing. Um, and you know the hype of what's going on in different places. Um, so I got to you know circle it and bring it back to them. Okay, what is where is your kid going to fit? There are certain kids that you know at a very young age, and Rob, you've you've had this experience where as a freshman you know he's he's a he's a power five guy. You just know it. It's just how it is. And we have the experience of seeing certain guys to you know to compare them to. So we try to direct the parents where where is your kid going to get your degree and and rob nailed it with that like we've had kids go to schools in the northeast where they weren't frontline big time guys like we'll use some pitchers that were like 85 to 88 they go to but they won and they knew how to win and all of a sudden they're um in college now and they're 92 93 and successful, well, you know, one's nobody wanted him out here in the West Coast. He's goes to a school in the Northeast. He sets the record for 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 career saves, season saves, and he's in AAA with the Indians right or the Guardians right now. You know, so it's seeking that opportunity mm. outside of the era and being open to that. And parents, like, we're not telling you to break your kid's heart. We're trying to save you the pain of going to a place where it's not going to work um, because yeah. ultimately it's get that degree. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, parents and, uh, and players and just coaches in general, um, I think it's really important. It's not easy to have this conversation, um, but it's an important conversation to have. I think one of the ways to bridge, bridge the gap to make it more of an objective conversation, you can do some simple stuff and you can say, okay, I want you to look at the roster and look at the average, you know, 
size, and I want you to look at the average profile of that player. Click on the profile, search their name on Google, and see what their, you know, what their Google search results, you know, come back. And they're going to likely find a PBR, Perfect Game, or some other website and look at some of their metrics that you can see what their metrics look like in high school. So that's that's one kind of quick thing. Most people don't take the time to do this. I think the other the other big thing is. Where is the roster comprised of? Is it a bunch of high school players? Is it a mix of high school and JUCO? Is it, you know, a ton of transfer kids? All these rosters are showing where the, where the last school was for each of these players. Um, um, but the final point I'll make is because metrics have become more and more important, college coaches are typically looking at going, all right, I need the academic metrics that make sense for me to get the kid into my school. Um, and being a recruited baseball player, you don't need the same academic metrics as you do if you're a non, you know, recruited athlete and just applying to the school naturally, um, you know. And then what are the athletic and baseball specific metrics that these schools are going to require per position? Um, and that is also important because you might be, you know, 7-0 and at your high school um, you know, you're playing against decent competition, um, but you're throwing, you know, 80, 83 to 84 miles an hour, top in 85. And the kid that your son plays against or is even on the same team um, might be four and three with a four ERA and your kid's got a two ERA, but he's 86 to 88. And it's a, and it's a different type of evaluation the college coaches are, are making to say, I'm going to bet on the kid who's got maybe more upside or showing earlier potential already. Um, and that's just the way that school is going to recruit. Uh, different schools have different recruiting philosophies and different scouting and evaluation you know, tactics. Um, but more and more of them, because they have TrackMan, Blast, Rapsodo, and data at their fingertips all the time for their own players, what they're trying to do is clone their own players that have been successful and they go, how do we get another Garrett Cole is what coach Savage is trying to think about at UCLA. Um, how do we get, you know, another um, Torkelson is what Willie Bloomquist at ASU as the head coach is trying to think. Basically they're trying to model their past successful players and trying to get more of them again and again. And yet they have all the data on their current players. So then they're running these, you know, calculations in their own mind and they see so many players um, to be able to cross-reference. Um, and more and more schools are recruiting, not locally, more and more schools are recruiting regionally than ever before, and more and more schools are recruiting nationally more than ever before. And part of that is digital, online profiles, metrics, et cetera, and video. The proliferation of metrics, video, um, and uh, social media have, have changed recruiting and, it, and it's never going to go back, you know, to where it was, in my opinion, to where coaches, schools used to recruit locally. Um, so, Scott, yeah, I'd love to get your take on that being in Colorado and having a ton of players that have been recruited outside of the state of Colorado. Yeah, we, you know, we have to go. We have to go places. Um, you know, we, we can't sit in Colorado and play in Colorado. We have to be at WWBA. We have to be at, uh, you, you know, fall classics. We have to be at all those things if we want our kids to be played. Cause obviously again, you know, they're not going to just take my word for it. They got to see them play. Right. And 
they don't come to the high school games out here to watch anybody play. Why is that? Well, there might be one player on each Colorado team that is a division one player. Correct. I mean, if, if, you know, if that, Um, but, you know, going back to, in, in my mind, going back to what you were talking about is as far as, you know, seeing them out, I have seen less coaches out on the road this past year and a half, you know, since we got back after COVID than I've ever seen, even at WWBA, even, you know, I'm heading to Jupiter on Wednesday, yep. right? I'm heading, I'll be in Jupiter on Wednesday. And, uh, you know, I'm interested to see if we're going to see all those golf carts like we did in the past, you, you, you know, I mean, they're going to be that many compared to the past, uh, but I'm taking seven Colorado players to Jupiter, which I don't, you know, and then, you, you, you know, so they're going to get a chance to be seen by guys, that would never see him in any other, other opportunity. Correct. You know, I mean, that's, that's how you do it. You know, I think, I think the big thing that these guys are talking about and, and just to mention, you know, I, I do spend a lot of time telling my parents, you know, where you're, you know, where we think your kid belongs. But one of the things that I do that's very different is I, I always tell the kid, listen, if you didn't have baseball, could you see yourself going to this school? No. Nope. That's a huge thing, and parents need to understand that because baseball could have an arm injury. You could not be good enough. I had a young man that went to Rose Holman to play baseball. It's a, it's a great uh, school in Indiana. To, it's an um, engineering school. The, man hurt, the young man hurt his arm. He's now in his third year at Rose Holman and will probably make more money than I do his first year out. Um, and that's what we want for our kids, right? Well, we want to put them on the path, you know, to be as successful and for them to follow, I think, what it is that they're passionate about. Um, I think we all can agree that if a player is able to keep a jersey on their back, you know, for a longer period in their life, um, that more and more opportunities might open up that they have never imagined. Um, and I think as, as, as parents and players listen to this, um, you know, being able to continue to play, if this is in your heart, this is in your soul, this is like in your blood, you love the game. Um, and it is something that you want to continue to put the effort into, then finding a place where you can continue to keep that jersey on your back and, and get better on the field and be able to build those relationships at that college, uh, whatever school that might be, um, there is going to be a, a world of new relationships that come into your life. And if these relationships see that you are tenaciously practicing and training and getting better and that you compete, those relationships are going to start to build this level of trust in who you are. And when that happens, then you continue to go through that school and you're going to continue to build this army of supporters and references and people that love you. And those people were going to go to bat for you in, in your life after baseball. And that might be your life after baseball in college at playing professionally. It might be working for a professional sports organization. It might be becoming, you know, a business owner, whatever it might be. But the alumni that are connected to whatever university you end up going to, they track players. They want to hire former players from their school. Uh, to be part of this. And every one of you have seen this in spades in terms of players that have used baseball as that vehicle um, to set up, a, you know, the life of their dreams. Um, 
And I think, Rob, you were mentioning you had this um, gentleman um, who also didn't play, didn't end up playing college baseball, but chose to go to a school, but went through the NorCal program and now is, you know, highly successful and now doing, you know, work with uh, with the program. Um, well, you, you great, remember- great, great story. And, and as a matter of fact, I've got to leave in nine minutes because he's he, he's in a yeah. Zoom thing that I'm having. And it's uh, Mike Fung. Uh Mike's an amazing young man. He's at Stanford. Uh, we got we got a guy on here that 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 was at Stanford before. Did some did some work at Stanford. We'll talk to him a little later. But with with Mike, um, he had an opportunity to to go to a Division three highly intelligent guy. Uh, he had two or three concussions, and at mm. that point, he decided, you know what? I've had a great run. I love the game. Um, he's going to he's going to be a doctor, uh, sports psychology. And he says, you know what I want to do? I want to work with my, my, my players. I want to work with my teammates. Uh, set up a mentoring program with the 22s and the 25s. He's going to talk tonight to a lot of guys in my program. Just an amazing guy. Uh, if, every, if everybody has a Mike Fung in their life that they get to coach, you're, you're better off. Uh, you, you spoke about something, Andrew, that kind of touched me. And I read it, I believe today, uh, a, a guy named Paul Reddick. R-E-D-D-I-C-K, he had a great post today talking about, and a great, it was a, a little uh, video, just talking about what's so important to not let anybody tell you what you can and what you cannot do. Uh, it was tremendous, and I, I highly encourage anybody to go on there and find what he said today. Uh, it really it really hit a, a nail for me because, it, you know, too many guys are said, well, you, you can only do this on the numbers. Here's what the analytics say. So you're kind of a – they're putting you in a box. And it, it's incredible because when we do that, uh, we, we we just cheapen the game. We cheapen the opportunities for these kids. And, you know, re- reach for the stars. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, well, you're a visionary, right? You, uh, you think big, you go big. And um, I think that that is uh, – I, I think it's important. I think the the counter to that is, you know, what's the plan to get there, right? Absolutely. Like, work backwards. Like, like you guys work your tail off as an organization. You guys run practices. You got a league, um, and I think the uh, the ability part of one of the questions that came through on a DM or a message was, I'm um, should I choose to go to you know play elite elite travel baseball as a 15, you know, you player. And I think that let's talk about player development for a second, because the beauty of being in high school um, and choosing the right, you know, the right college is you get to choose your player development path and you get to surround yourself by potentially the coaches uh, and people uh, to help you on that path. Um, And I think there's something to be said for creating some sort of uh, you'll say a, a team and a continuity and consistency around you, you know, as a player, I think there's a disadvantage when players are jumping and playing for three different travel ball teams, you know, at the same time and just being a free agent every weekend. Um, and so uh, I'll, I'll touch on, uh, you know, Mike, you know, in terms of just that player development process and, um, and I guess the, the philosophy or belief system that, that you take? Yeah, we, we start, um, we started with the younger ages um, about four or five years ago. 
um, you know, down to down, we're down to eleven, and for us, we don't bring in outside players. You know, you know the 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 you know the player that wants to come out, the hired gun. We we want to develop within our, within ourselves, and and through that, it it takes time, and we want to make sure they understand how to play. We want to understand they know how to play mentally how to deal with stuff that happens on and off the field. Um, and that is the part of development because we've run across, you know, cause I, I have one particular age group um, and we've run across teams that are all, they're nationally ranked. And as Rob said earlier, they're introducing themselves. They're, they're a great bunch of individual players, but as a team, not so good. Hmm. No, um, and the the idea of being a good teammate, and Rob alluded to that earlier, that comes with a development. You know, you have you have a, a major leaguer who played four years of high school baseball, four, three to four years of college baseball. He wasn't drafted. Four or five years of minor league baseball before he even might slight minuscule chance of playing in the big leagues, but yet. You get parents and coaches expecting a, a 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 year old kid to know the entire game over guys that do it for a living. Yeah. And that's all they do. And they give them crap for it. <laughs> Excuse me for that. But you got to let them develop. And that's for us. That's what we want. We want the kids to be able to fail so you can make that correction. And that's the waiting part. But, and develop from that and learn from that. And I think that has disappeared as teams want to win at all costs. You know, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars being thrown at players so they can go win a local tournament. You know, we went with one team that dropped $30,000 to fly their 12-year-olds to play in a tournament mm. to win that. I, for me personally, hey, that's great for them. I just don't see the value in that, that individual kid where how have they developed how they become a better teammate. And that starts at a young age. If you can grab them young and also help the parent become a better baseball parent to help their child mentally through the game. You know, someone's more physically gifted than others. It's that, and I'm sure and both coaches will probably agree with, if those guys that have the mental strength to persevere are the ones that are going to be successful. Um. And that's where the development comes. Absolutely. That's a, that's a huge point. And, you know, for anybody listening, player, parent, coach, um, you know, these guys are making the time, you know, to, uh, you know, to donate their Monday evening, not watching Monday night football, uh, but get, giving back to the game. So, you know, feel free to give them a follow on Twitter. Um, if you feel as though there's a another teammate or a you know parent or your spouse or another coach who should hear kind of what we've been laying down here in terms of the knowledge like please retweet um you know the space it's at the top of my uh you know profile as the feature tweet you can give it give it a retweet uh, but this this is the type of knowledge I think that's important uh, to just get into the community more and more it's something that really inspires us uh, in, in terms of sharing, you know, these insights from, uh, from coaches that are in the trenches every day and year round. Um, Rob, I'm going to get one final take if you're yes. still on. 
Um, is there any, any, anything finally, finally that you would like to impart, you know, on a, on a player or parent before you, uh, you jump? I, I guess the, the biggest thing I, I, I've got is, uh, keep playing for the love of the game. There's so much pressure now on committing and, and doing that kind of thing. And we, we, we lose the beauty of playing baseball and loving it and, and having that competition. Uh, we started uh, trying to measure ourselves against other, uh, other groups and finding out where you are for the love of the game and competing. And I think we've lost that. We've lost uh, the prioritization um, and now it's become a monetization of rankings and this and that and recruiting lists. And uh, I think we need to get back a little bit to our roots and the respect that we need to love the game and play the game because it's, it's the best game there ever was. And we, we lose that, I think, now. And uh, too much uh, prioritizing uh, on what's really not important. Uh, being a great teammate, uh, you'll our guys never talk about – I mean, I've got a couple guys that started with me 30 years ago. They're, they're my head coaches on a couple teams. Uh, we never talk about uh, the national championships that we won, and we've won plenty. Uh, we talk about the camaraderie, the fellowship, uh, the the journey. It's all about the journey, and we forget that. That's a huge point. Uh, there was a study that was done of um, a large number of student-athletes that were um, at the high school level, it was done by CIF, the, the California Interscholastic Federation. And what they found was that the three main reasons that children or young adults choose to play sports is number one, to have fun. Number two, to do it with their friends. And number three, to see how the game gives them feedback on how they're, how they're making progress. Those are the three main reasons why young adults, you know, have chosen, you know, to to play sports. And I think that that's a huge takeaway for anybody listening. Um, how are you bringing more fun into the game? How are you bringing your brothers, your sisters, you know, your friends into the game when you play men's or women's sports? And then how are you using the game as a vehicle to get feedback? Yep. Because it's not about success and failure it's a the feedback of the game will continue to kind of point you in a direction of uh, of, of what to learn um and i think parents andrew i apologize i've got to yeah. check out you got you got it buddy we're good Thanks, thank sir. you so much for joining uh but i'll finish my little um point and that is the game is already set up and, and engineered and wired to give you feedback um and so whether you're a coach, whether you're a parent, whether you're a player, honor, embrace, you know, the feedback that the game gives you. And if you listen to it, you're going to typically um, start to move in a direction that starts to make an adjustment from, from that feedback. Surround yourself with others that understand the feedback of the game so that they can also support you in, in this journey. Because any parent who's had a young man or woman, you know, take their game to a higher level of playing beyond high school would say that, you know, it takes a village, uh, you know, to make that a reality. Um, and anyone who's been a parent who's had their player take their game to the professional level, um, you know, it takes a village, you know, to have that be possible. Um, and, and there's impact from many different areas. Um, and so, yeah, coach, Coach Vieira, I'd love to, 
kind of get to, you know, get your take on where parents are making great decisions in terms of supporting their young, young men and where you see areas for improvement. Oh, I'm very, very clear with my parents on what they should and should not be doing. I don't hide that fact and they'll tell you that. Um, Bottom line to my parents are within our program, just be quiet. Let us do our thing. Show up, watch your kid and love your kid. Enjoy watching them play. It's, it's pretty simple. Um, Support them, you know, and in, in, in any way you possibly can, more so than do th- do things for them. Um, you know, I think parents, and, and not, not just within our program, I mean, just in general, if, take a really good look at your, you know, your child's ability and allow them to work to get better. Don't chase the team you know, that's trying to win all the time, look for the, you know, for the, for the coaches that are really investing in your child to be better. Um, and, you know, I, I went to one of my coach's weddings and I ran into a former dad of mine and, you know, his son is a doctor and we've had three doctors, we're doctors and three lawyers and, and they've all used baseball. And he was telling me how, you know, he goes, Mike, just, you know, he goes, tell your parents that just support their kid. He goes, just watch them. Be, be present when they're there, when they're watching the game. How many parents, you know, like they don't know how their kid did during the game. Be present when they're there. Show the support that they need. Um, follow their academic progress. You know, don't make excuses um, for them. You know, when we have a tryout, we tell parents, don't say, if your kid is not selected, don't say, well, they don't know what they're talking about. You were better. Be honest with them, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a non-brutal way, but be very honest. I think parents just really need to be less involved in the baseball aspect of it, of knowing more than coaches Instead, and and be more involved in being present for them, just being there for them, not dropping them off at games. Watch the game. Let the kid initiate a a conversation about how they're feeling about the game. We've seen parents. I've I've been at places where parents have punished their kids because of their performance and not allowing them to do things Mm -hmm. because how performed in a baseball game. Baseball, the field's supposed to be the safe place for them, where they want to be. And as Rob said, it's you, you play it because you love it. Yeah, th- those are huge points. Um, a gentleman that I know well gave me um, one piece of advice. And uh, I'll, I can look back and tell you that my dad didn't follow this advice, to be honest with you. Um, but it was, um, you know, after a game, Basically, the the saying goes, no matter how the student athlete does during the game, you know, is, hey, son, hey, daughter, whatever, whatever you have is, um, you know, I love I loved watching you play today. Yeah, I have a I have a rule where the parents aren't allowed to talk to their kids about the game after the game. Mm. 
at all, not the entire day. And most times, if they wait, the the child will eventually, the player will eventually start talking to the parent about the game. Sure. But they're not allowed to do that. The kid, the, the player knows they've had a bad game. No. They, they know they've let their teammates down, their coaches down. They've had a bad game. They don't, the parent doesn't need to remind them that. Sure. Even let themselves down as a player. Oh, definitely, definitely. And I, and I always use the thing that, and the parents kind of laugh when when they when they've had a bad day at work. Do they want to you know hear it from their <laughs> boss? Do they want to hear it when they get home? No. Now, as a child, you you look you look up to your parent. They're looking for some support for some. Hey, I love you. Not why did you play so bad today? And then that kind of puts them in a shell. And that's where I think the biggest advice I could give to a parent is that right there. It doesn't matter how they perform. You love them the same. I think that's huge. Scott, I'd love you to, you know, weigh in on what advice would you give to a player? Well, I I can tell you um, the biggest, you know, I I played at a pretty high level of college football and, and, uh, you know, you know, played some very high level baseball in Ohio and, you know, the great players, um, they don't, take themselves too seriously whether they go oh for four or four for four you know they know you know the great ones know you know it's just a day I just had a day bad day you know I was very lucky to 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 coach Casey Opitz um he is uh with the Chicago Cubs he was the starting catcher at Arkansas for three years um and that young man is the epitome of what a baseball player should be he, uh, the best advice I could ever give you is something he actually told me. I was upset. We lost the game. We should have won. And all he did was pat me on the butt and say, coach, we'll get him tomorrow. You know, and that's really the way you, you need to be. Um, you know, I tell our players all the time, baseball is what you do. It's not who you are. And that's a big saying for me. And it's a huge saying for both with USA Prime and at Lutheran. You have to be who you are. Some of you are very intense young men. You know, parents, you, you know who your kid is. If your kid is a very intense young man, he's going to be hard enough on himself. This game will humble you, whether you're a coach, a player, a parent. This game is going to humble you at some point, right? Right? Um, I'll give you, you know, my high school team last year was 26 and three. We lost in the semifinals of state to three young men that are going to Oklahoma, Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma state and Arkansas. Right. We lost to a great team, um, that we had actually beaten earlier in the year. Well, I can do two things when we lose in that semifinal and the kids could do two things. Right. We can blame the umpire. We can blame the conditions. We can blame the fact that we had to travel an hour and that was their home field. And we could blame every. The bottom line was we lost the game. And I told the young man, I go, just I said, guys, when you come to the field. You got to be prepared to win or lose because somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose. And you have to be prepared for both. Right. As coaches, we have. We have the speech after we win, and we have the speech after we lose. And it doesn't really change that much. 
right? Yeah. Um, but the big thing I would tell young men is, is guys, it's just a game. Remember, it's just a game. And remember why you play it. You don't play it for mom and dad. You don't play it for me. You play it because you love it. And, and if you can get them to remember that, you know, um, and parents can remember that, let, again, like Coach said, these kids are hard enough on themselves, especially yeah. the elite players. Like, they want to be great. They have tons of pressure on them, you know, from social media, watching everybody sign, watching it. If you're, a, like, a top-tier player and you have – and you, you haven't signed yet, and you're one of the best players in your state, there's a lot of pressure there. Well, don't, we don't need to be adding to it. Parents don't need to be adding to it. Coaches don't need to be adding to it. Let the kids play. Teach them how to play. Teach them how to handle failure, which is not an easy thing to do. Again, we talk – Andrew, I think you and I have had this discussion many times. Yep. Think about this. If, if our parents in their jobs – uh, did well 2.5 out of 10 times that they were asked to do something, they'd get fired. Yeah. But yet the guys in the pros are making millions of dollars to do that, right? Yeah, and, and 250 is like the new batting average for, for the big leagues. It, it right? really, it, it's sad, but it really yeah. is, right? Because 250 is literally, you know, an all-star. It's yeah. an all-star, you know, and that's sad. But, you know, the key is that this is a very difficult game. And, and these young men have a lot of pressure on them. They're trying, and I hate that word trying, but they're working hard. If you're young, if the young person, kids that are on this call, if, if, if you want to do better and, you want, and you're having a rough time, work harder. Just go work harder. Go put in. And, and you know, I talk about Casey Opitz all the time. That guy, I've never seen. He's a, he's a very average hitter in the minor leagues. He is an exceptional receiver. Like, he is unbelievably behind the plate. That guy works harder than anybody I've ever been around in my life, ever. And, and I've been around some great players. It's why he is where he is. It's why one day when he coaches, he will be a tremendous coach. But the player themselves, what you guys have to do is you can't, you can't be playing the game to please mom and dad. You can't be playing the game to please, to please a coach. You have to love the game and understand that you're going to fail at it and actually actually embrace failure yep. and, and learn from failure. And the more you can do that, the better player you're going to become, the better young man you're going to become. And I think sports and baseball especially has taught me how to understand that you got to – the harder you work, the luckier you get. And, uh, you know, that's been true in my life as a coach, as a, as a business person and, and anything I've done. So, um, and, and to talk about coach, you know, the one thing he said to, to parents, you know, I have a very, I have a very weird philosophy because I believe, you know, owning an indoor facility, our players and our parents are our customers, you know, so it's a little different for me. Whereas I talk to a ton of parents I literally will tell them, you can call me. You have to wait 24 hours after a game, but you can call me. And I'll talk about your son and your son only. And I will embrace that. And you may not like what I have to say because I'm going to be honest with you. Could be he's not coming to practices as much as he should. He's not working as hard as he should. 
He's he's not while he's at practice, he's screwing around, you know, those kind of things because they are kids. Right. That's what they're going to do. Sure. So so so, you know, the key is to understand that that um, communication is big, but we're all trying to help the young man achieve his dream. That's the only thing we're trying to do. It's not my dream. It's not the parents dream. It's his dream. So that's what I, you know, kids in my book, you know, for us to be able to help them achieve their goals, that's the ultimate gift I get from doing what we're doing. So thanks. Yeah, super huge points. And I think for families that are evaluating like, okay, what team should we play for? Whether that's a high school, a travel ball, you know, a private coach, you know, who you're evaluating. Um, I think asking some of these type of questions um, and, and learning um, about what is the underlying motivation of the coach or the coaching staff, um, whether you're in the recruiting process and you're talking to college coaches or, you're, you know, thinking about evaluating high school or travel ball um, or private training. It's trying to get behind you know, what is the why behind why that coach does? Because there's also, you know, a major study that was out there in a book called Talent Code that talked about where skill development and acquisition comes from in terms of getting better. And one of the main principles of it is having master coaching. And what they found out was the master coaching didn't have to be a former big league player. It didn't have to be, you know, an All-American But one of the core components was that coach had to care so much about that young man or young woman that there was this transfer of love that was felt, seen, and supported. And that student-athlete was able to create an environment. uh, And that coach and that athlete were able to create an environment together where growth started happening. Um, So... I share that with you because it is arguably, you know, one of the most important things is surrounding yourself um, with the right people. And to add on to what the, both coaches have said, I would say this, um, a student athlete and a family's tra- trajectory of success is going to be in direct correlation to their ability to ask for help and make sure that they're getting help from master level, you know, coaches uh, in, on, in that journey. And that might be academic coaches, that might be athletic coaches, um, it might be, you know, trainers, what, whatever it might be, um, just that ability to be open and coachable um, and willing to ask for help um, is a huge is a huge part of this. Um, and the final thing that I'll add is when I was with the Tampa Rays, they did a study as well, because I'm, I'm kind of like an art and a science, you know, type of guy, I like I like hearing about the data and, and, and what, but what they found out was with the Tampa Bay Rays, they could point to what players were going to take their game um, and move up through the ranks based on the player's ability to assess their own skill level, honestly. And as we evaluate a ton of athletes as an organization all over the country, we'll ask an athlete on a call, zoom call typically and we'll say i'm curious you know what what would you say your strengths are as a player and then we shut up and we let them talk and we've already seen the player whether it's video or in person then we'll say i'm curious where would you say your what what would you say your areas for improvement are we'll shut up and let them talk and 
for us as an organization, it is very important that the player, even if they can't name all of their strengths and weaknesses, can at least share something about what they think they do well and an area for improvement um, and is willing to hear what an honest evaluation of them is and be able to sit with it. And obviously when we share it, we share it with, here's what we've seen. We've looked at your numbers. We looked at your skill level. We've looked at how you move and how you play um, and, you know, site specific uh, objective points of view, but also some subjective um, evaluation points. But the players that are able to receive that coaching and, parents that are able to receive that coaching are at a tremendous advantage because part of this whole journey is, are you willing to own where you are right now? And are you willing to use that as a point of, uh, of, of leverage and knowledge to then address what is the next most important step in that journey of your own, you know, athletic academic, you know, development um, as a student athlete and as a, and, and as a family. So we've taken a ton of, a ton of good time tonight. Um, I'm just going to ask each guy for any final words uh, that they want to impart upon, you know, the community and um, you know, coach Vieira, I'll, I'll let you first. And then uh, coach Horman, um, we'll go with you last. You know, um, listening to Rob and coach Scott here saying, cause it's saying the same, almost the same things you know, in the same thought process, um, we're all this, along the same lines and, you know, about working harder, nobody ever got worse working harder, but I wanted to, to go a little deeper with that players and parents, just because you work harder, doesn't mean you deserve anything. All that means is you're going to be better prepared when your opportunity comes because everybody's idea of hard work is different. You know, because we'll, you know, I've heard a kid, I just, I work so hard, I deserve a chance. My idea of your hard work isn't hard enough. It just prepares you for what, what is coming. It, it doesn't, you know, you give you anything. It, you don't deserve it. It's just going to prepare you. Um, and I think if they can, you know, change the, that view, that little bit of sense of entitlement, will allow them to grow so much more. And, and what you said about the, you know, the, the openness, and I love that parents and players be open to learn more, to be, be open, to be wrong. You know, I've been coaching 35 years and I'm still learning and I still want to learn. I learn from my coaches. A lot of my former players. I love my staff. They do a heck of a job and it's, and I learn from them. I make mistakes and I own up. I'll tell a player I made a mistake on that one, but we have to be open enough. And it is pretty, it, it is liberating when you own your mistake and try to correct it. And that's some of the biggest thing I can give to a parent and a player is to be very open-minded about their journey and about the success and failures. And as you know, that's the old saying you fail in baseball, you know, three out of 10 times you're successful. Oh, well, now it's, you know, you yeah. succeed two times and you're making um, making millions. But find a goal and embrace the journey. 
not just the baseball part, the camaraderie, your friends. These are going to, you know, guys that are eventually going to be your friends for life. And that, that you know, baseball to me is very unique than all the other sports, where there's just a better sense of family and closeness. Um, it's 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 different. Um, baseball, to me, obviously, is the greatest game. And at some point, players, your time is going to come. Parents, your time is going to come to stop watching them. So enjoy every moment of it while you can. Huge points. Um, I think that these moments are fleeting in terms of when the game um, is going to be part of, you know, your, your child's, you know, journey. Uh, how many times you get to see them, you know, play and put on their jersey and, and, and play the game. And, and for players, um, you know, owning that opportunity, I think each of the coaches has talked about loving the game. And so loving the game, what that looks like, you know, to a college coach is hustle on and off the field. What that looks like is throwing through you know, the, the first baseman as a infielder, what it looks like is running a hard 90 and running through, you know, on a pop-up or trying to go to, you know, on a, on, on a, on a single that might be extending the outfielder. Um, that's what it looks like is picking up your teammate after they, you know, struck out with the bases loaded uh, with a winning run on third. You know, what that looks like is when the catcher, you know, goes meets, meets the pitcher, you know, at the foul line between every inning. As they uh, as they as they go to the dugout, like this is what what it looks like. And um, so, if you're not in love with the game right now, and you're still playing, and all the coaches have talked about that the game is very humbling, I think one thing is if you can reevaluate how you measure success and how you look at you know failure and and change the relationship that you have. And start to look at this as a process and not a result-oriented game. And go, you know what? I had a good at bat. I saw the ball well. I struck out after seven pitches. There's a win there that is going to help you for your next at bat. And as a former you know, professional player and college player at Arizona State, the, the more that I was able to look at the game as a process, the more my, the level of my performance was more consistent. When things are consistent, things are safer. When things are safer, things are more enjoyable and you're more predictably and, and, and you can count, people can count on you. The player that can be counted on will be in the lineup. The player that's in the lineup and can be counted on is going to move up the, you know, move up different levels. So this game is the, ult- the ultimate currency of the game of baseball is consistency. If you're able to be consistent as the level and the speed increases, you're just going to continue to move up the game. Um, and that's the beauty of it. Um, Scott, I'll go with you. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> go ahead, brother. We'll keep it short, guys. I know everybody's – it's getting late. Um, listen, this is it's, – it's not rocket science. You know, we're – as coaches, we are not recreating uh, the game of baseball. The game has changed the way – it's recruited has changed. It's not the game, you know, the game itself has not changed a ton, but the way it's recruited has changed a lot. Um, I would tell each one of you and, and leave you with this. If you 
believe that you can play college baseball. You can. And every player in your program, and I'll give you one great example of that because I had a young man who got five at-bats his senior year, wanted to be a college baseball player. Five at-bats for me his senior year. I reached out to a coach that he said, you know, I wouldn't mind going to this school. And it was an NAIA school in the middle of nowhere. I called the coach and said, I got a young man here who wants to play. Coach, he will probably never be a player for you, but he'll be a great ambassador, ambassador for your program. And didn't get a scholarship, got to walk on and got to play at an NAIA school. And I think he got 10 at-bats in five years there or four years there. That young man today is a is a um, sports agent for baseball players. Lives in the community that I live in. Talk to him probably three times a week. He is living his dream in the game of baseball. And it's because he never gave up. He had somebody who believed in him. And I went to his wedding. I went to, he just had a, he had a baby boy two years ago. I've been to a, a birthday for his baby boy. This is what baseball is. It's relationships. It's building young men. And it's turning them into great young men in the future. That's what are, these three programs that you're talking about and that are talking to you today, that's what they try to do. And um, I have all the utmost respect for the other coaches. And I will tell you, ever since I've met Andrew, he has been uh, just a great mentor. And as far as understanding the, the, the college um, recruiting um, landscape, there's not a better guy out there. So thank you, Andrew, for your time, and, and thank you, uh, everybody who's listening. Coach Horman, thank you, man. You had awesome insights, sharing stories. Uh, Coach Vieira, likewise, I got a lot of love for both of you and, and, and what you do in the community. And uh, I just want to appreciate your time and um, honor that. Uh, it's valuable. You've taken time out outside of your your family to be part of this, and that's huge. And um, you know, for anybody listening, like I said, if this if this resonates with you, and you feel that other people should listen, learn, or, or, or take away something from this, even if it's just one you know takeaway that can change, then please share it. Whether that's a direct link, you know, to the the space that we did tonight, um, or a retweet. Um, we're here to serve, and this is a, a passion of mine and our organization as well. So, guys, thanks again. Um, this will be available on on demand. The recording will be posted here. And um, this was awesome. Thanks again. Thank Everybody, you, Andrew. You got it, Coach. Everybody have a great night, and um, we'll be running these uh, more consistently over the next few weeks. So we got another one coming up next week, um, and you'll start to see our schedule more consistently. Take care. Have a good night. Thanks for being part of the Realities of College Recruiting podcast and our partner, Five Tool Baseball. You can easily subscribe on iTunes and check us out online at Sports Force Baseball for every past episode of our podcast. If you want to ask questions, share insights, and recommend future guests, Hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at SportsForceBB and Facebook under SportsForceBaseball. Be sure to join us on our next episode of the Realities of College Recruiting Podcast. And remember, your college decision isn't a four-year one, 
It's a 40-year one. 